1: The situation room. Welcome, to the, situation Welcome room. to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Situation Room. I'm here with my co host, Gabe Ferguson. Um, you guys can find him on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. I'm at Raven Sit Room. And, Gabe, we are here after another night of cardiac arrest 101. I mean, it's been the Raven season. They refused to. They they to let us enjoy a game. Even the Denver game, like you know, by the time we got late in the fourth quarter, it wasn't close. But that game was too close for too long too. Um, are the Ravens ever going to let us out of this trend this year?
0: <laughs> Whew, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, I ca- I kind of enjoy you know the rush of being in like these close games. It's exciting. It's like it makes you really f- feel alive for, for a little bit. <laughs> for, for the, that, that fourth quarter was electric. It was it was a lot of fun. But whew, I w- I wouldn't mind just like you know winning by like two scores the entire time and not having to worry about it. But you know just just the way this team's playing, they've I don't know if it's in the books for this year. Maybe maybe we'll see them come together a little bit more in the second half. Put some put some complete games out there and and not have to worry so much about every single play of every single drive. It's 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 really nail-biting and I'm who. Yeah, it's 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 fun to watch, but it's also like it's definitely raising my uh cholesterol, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the Ravens are a whopping what what you could say maybe like three inches away from being one and four instead of being four and one, right? Like Tucker misses that ball by a blip. OA doesn't force the fumble on Edwards Hilaire, right? Like, you know, doesn't miss the kick in this game and the Ravens lose all of those games and and basically completely out of their control. So, um, you know, we're glad to be four and one and we'll talk a little bit about where we think they're going this season and and where the rest of this is headed through this podcast. But I mean, let's get into this Colts game, you know, and and I think that unlike the Ravens offense, let's get right into it and get it going quickly here. Um, You know, I, I think right off the bat, you know, this Ravens team in the first quarters of games. And and I think a lot of teams have this problem a little bit where they're trying to get a feel for the game and, and everything isn't quite there, but, but this team is, is entirely too slow to get into the offense and then kind of get things rolling downhill for right now. um, Especially the way the defense is playing.
0: Yeah. You know, teams come out on offense. They generally have, you know, like a 10, 15 place script that they start off these games with, you know, they have a plan of attack that they, they, They want to use against the defense what they're expecting the opposing defense to do. Um, And it seems like those scripts just aren't working for the Ravens. They, they have, whether it's something that's just of not, not a complete like comfort level with Lamar Jackson, maybe he's someone who kind of like just needs to get like a feel for the game to see like what opponents are doing to kind of get a feel for like, you know, the energy of the game, like what, what his players are doing, where he is in the in the moment, and that that doesn't seem to jive with the kind of like this scripted flow of what the, what that is like that first like ten fifteen plays that are automatically called, um, or or maybe it's it's that you know teams are are having a really good game plan when they when they come out they see what the Ravens are doing and they think they have something that they can you know stop them with and and it seems like so far early this year, teams have been able to to stop the Ravens early on and for whatever reason that game planning has not been where it needs to be. Um, and the Ravens have come out slow and, and they've gotten behind and, and not gotten ahead of teams. Like we have seen in, in the past couple of years where they've gone up to some pretty early leads on teams. Like, you know, there's like two score leads that you get early on in, this, in the first half. That hasn't been the case this year. I think there was just that one game against the Lions where they got out to a uh, uh, early lead and even then it was only a 10 point lead they haven't been getting up to those those big you know 14 17 point leads that we're, we've been kind of accustomed to in the past couple of years and and for whatever reason that's just not happening this year and it's it's making these games a lot tighter than i think they have to be
1: Yeah. I I always talk about, I've talked a lot, you know, the last two seasons about using benchmark of 2019 as the barometer of what it looks like. I think the only thing that I would say is weeks two through six for the Ravens in 2019 were not great that great either, right? They beat Arizona barely by six points in that first game. Then they lost to Kansas city and then they lost to Cleveland by a total of 20 points between those games. Then they slipped by Pittsburgh in overtime. Um, basically thanks to Josh Bynes showing up and playing completely, you know, you know, off the off the off the couch. And then Cincinnati they only only beat them at home 23-17 to follow that up. So they actually had a negative point differential over those five games where they were three and two. And then they kind of locked in once Mark, the Marcus Peters trade, the defense seemed to gel a little bit once they got to week seven and they figured out what they were trying to do and how to protect around all those things. And then the offense got rolling on the other side of that. And then they picked up some big wins against kind of a good Rams team, a good Houston team, a good New England team all that year. And, and after beating a good Seattle team and it just kind of, it kind of flowed from there. So I, I think there's room for some growth here, but you know, Lamar seems to really struggle early in these games, you know, and it's really hard to talk about. I mean, I feel like Lamar struggled really early in this game through the first couple of drives and he's, Obviously, he had the one big fumble on the one-yard line. I don't even. I think it's been talked about enough. There's a lot of really great coverage about people talking about how he should have let that ball go. I think anybody watching in that moment thinks he should have let that ball go. Um, but he he looked like he was a little off throwing early. He, he had two incompletions on third downs early in the game. Um, you take those away, he only had four other incompletions the entirety of the rest of the game. Um, So it's hard for me to say Lamar had a bad game, but he's got to figure out how to simplify either. They need more throws like the one they had early to DuVernay, where they had him in the flat in motion. Like it's an easy toss from Lamar. He is, you know, he's coming into the flat. He's not covered. There's some room for error. I think the Ravens maybe need to build in some opportunities. So his throws are a little easier in the first quarter and some of these first drives. So he can settle in a little bit because it seems like once he does, he, he gets locked in.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously Lamar had an amazing game, um, like record-setting, career-setting game. Um, that that exceptional. Like aside from you know the first few plays of the first quarter, um, he you know for whatever reason it's just like he comes out. He's a little hesitant, maybe. Um, he he doesn't seem to. I, I don't I don't know if it's like not trusting his reads or like he a little stiff, or a little nervous, or anxious, or or whatever it is. But like that, the accuracy just wasn't there in the first couple of drives. Um, you know, he, I think you know they threw the ball on the first down, maybe on the first both first two drives, and they got they picked up you know a few yards and you know had a decent opportunity. Then they come back and and run the ball and and the running game is, it's still not working. And and that that's we don't have enough time probably in a podcast to really dissect what's going on with that running game. And I mean, we've touched... We discussed it a little bit at, at, at you know some points earlier in the season as well, but it's a it's an issue right now. And what we saw in this game was that the Ravens had to just lean on Lamar and his ability to pass the ball, um, and they really just completely moved away from from running it. Aside from you know pretty obvious like short yarder situations, they were a little better in those situations in this game actually, I think, than what we've seen in a couple of the past games, but. It's still, I don't know, there's still some issues that, that need to be worked out. And whenever you're getting behind, it's it's going to make things more challenging. You'd like to just come out and, and use the things that are working that we saw like in the third quarter, the fourth quarter, and like build on those things and use them the entire time instead of getting behind and having to, to lean on those later when, when you need to make things work.
1: Yeah, well, they were zero for five on third down conversions in the first half, and I think I think some of that is overactivity from Lamar. I mean, of the first three first down third down attempts that they had, I think two were passing plays. Lamar tried to scramble on the second one. I think he had guys open on the right. It's hard to tell without the all twenty two video of what was really there, but but he seemed he he had the desire to pull it down. And Lamar, I, I wouldn't call him less explosive in those moments, um, but or sorry, that was the third and fourth. His rushes were on the third and fourth third downs. But, you know, I I wouldn't call him less explosive, but Lamar has gotten away from a few less guys and in a few less spots this year than I would have thought of. And some of that has been bad offensive line play and kind of running into offensive linemen that are getting shoved back into his face and getting in his way. And and you can't really fault Lamar for that. But at the same time, it just seems like Lamar is sometimes coming up a yard or two short on some of these. And, And I think, you know, To some degree, there's a lot of chatter and joking about whether the league has caught up to Lamar. I think their approach is much more to try and be worried about him and what he's going to do with his legs and get him down um, and really sell out against the pass. And so the Ravens have got to be able to be willing to make adjustments around that and be willing to. I mean, there's still going to be moments that you want to run Lamar, but you get them out and spread and then you let them run up the middle. That's one thing. But when you, you got everybody packed inside the box, then then, you know, you're good to go. I think one of the plays that really drove me nuts in the in the first was uh, the rushing play. The rushing play, I think, on the second drive, it was second of five. Latavius Murray, Lamar motions Oliver or Tomlinson into the backfield, so they basically have like the full house design around him, and they're basically all eight guys are stacked up right inside the box against the Ravens, all right there. And they decide to still run the ball anyway. Um, And to me, those are one of those instances where don't, where you're almost better off either motioning Tomlinson to the outside to give your runner more, like give Murray more space in there instead of less space. um, Or it's gotta be a play action pass. And then you gotta let Lamar roll out and have a chance to run it and keep everything, keep all that congested stuff inside um, and look to throw the ball.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that happened when you lost Gus Edwards and you lost J.K. Dobbins is you don't really have the ex- suddenness and explosiveness in the backfield to kind of make the quick decisions where you would have to make a defender miss. Because a lot of what the, the Ravens' run scheme has been ev- um, kind of built around is is putting a defender in a bad position where he has to make a decision. Do you have to go after the the running back or do you have to go after the quarterback? And what happened now that they don't have that threat at the running back position, the defender can just kind of like sit there and not necessarily make the decision as easy on, on, on Jackson and the running back. And when he gives it to the running back, the running back doesn't have that ability that like what we've seen with Edwards and Dobbins in the past to make that defender miss and if if the defender is then kind of leaning towards the quarterback and Jackson makes the correct call and hands it off the, the running back doesn't necessarily have the juice to kind of make the play that he needs to play make that we were seeing with so much regularity in the past so I think that's kind of a something that's lacking. I also think the timing of it is still is a little bit off. The players just aren't used to the system yet. The, the running backs, I mean, like they, they, they're not, they haven't been in the system for very long and they don't, the timing of it hasn't been working. The blockers aren't necessarily the same. We don't have Nick Boyle who's been like one of the, you know, the better blockers in, in the NFL to help, you know, get the timing right. So it's just not a, a run scheme. That's really going to work for the Ravens as they're currently constructed. So I, I think you're absolutely right. Like if you're going to you know, go heavy in, in the backfield, you need to do play action of it. And we saw that last week in the Broncos game where they had a lot of heavy sets and they just continually attacked the Broncos when they stacked the box and took shots over top and were feasting on play action. Um, that didn't seem to be so much part of the game plan in this week. For whatever reason, play action wasn't really used that much. Um I'm not sure why that's the case. I think we saw maybe one or two RPOs again. I've been saying all season, giving back to last season, use more RPOs. Like, they're always open. <laughs> the Ravens are getting... I mean, we saw... I think it was, a, was it the third drive when they actually got their first first down. It was, a, it was like a 15-yard completion to Andrews on an easy RPO. Um, we've seen that to Prochet. We've seen that to, we've seen that to Duvernay. We've seen that to Watkins. We've seen that to Hollywood. That RPO quick slant out of the slot, it's there every single time use it more often i don't know why they don't do it but anyway you, know, you were kind of harping on the things that didn't go very well in this game obviously the ratings got down pretty big so there was a lot of things that went went poorly there were some things that went well but it's if if you can adjust and take out the the bad stuff and just focus on what's doing well like you don't have to be down 18 points and have to come back in a game it's just just you know, play better to start. And then we don't have to worry about it like this.
1: Yeah. I I think one of the reasons why we don't see the play action one was because of the score. So when you're down, you know, when you're down 19 or 16 or whatever it was, I don't even want to think about what it was (laughs) when you're, when you're down by, uh, when you're down by 16 like that, you know, it's one of those instances where you're not going to be in formations where a running threat even matters potentially. Also the Ravens just kind of gave up on the run. I mean, between, Murray, I mean, they basically had 11 carries in the game. Uh, they knew it wasn't working, and so they weren't willing to commit to it. And Lamar was successful in it, too. But, you know, if that's what you're going to do, then what is the point of running with, with essentially seven blockers in front of, uh, in front of a running back? Why are you going to run into an eight man front in those instances? I just think that the Ravens, I get why they used to do that. And I get why they did it when it was Ronnie Stanley, Marshall Yonda, you know, Bozeman and Orlando Brown. But that is not the guys that you have on this offensive line. So the Ravens have to decide and make adjustments about who they have on their offensive line and adjust accordingly. And they need to do so early in the game. They can't be one of this, oh, well, if the running game is working, we're really going to stick with it. I really do think that this this Ravens team, until Nick Boyle and Ronnie Stanley are back, needs to lean into the passing game and just continue to build on it and continue to make teams defend it, make teams get out of the box and make it – as friendly as possible when when Stanley and Boyle do get back to, to make it a little bit better. So they just got to get out of these slow funks to start and not get this deep in the hole. And I think you're right. We are right now. We're talking about what wasn't working and why they kind of fell behind in this regard. But two three and outs to start the game. And then and, or I think it was a three and out to start the game. One first down conversion and then another three and out is, is not going to be good enough for a team that let's talk about the defense now. Um, and And this wasn't just. You know, I, I kind of made a little bit of a pun about how we we're going to start the podcast quickly. on, like, the offense, for the defense, they started slow and they just stayed slow. I mean, I mean, this was this was one of the worst, I think, performances that we've seen. You know, from a Ravens defense against a not. I mean, the Colts are good, but their offensive line is kind of a little banged up, not fully together. Carson Wentz is, if he if he isn't given all day in the pocket and and doesn't, and his first read isn't there, isn't going to be a great quarterback to begin with. Um, and the Ravens seem to, uh, they didn't seem to the Ravens, the Ravens had all kinds of problems on defense in this game. Where do you want to start?
0: Whew. um, let's, <laughs> man, there's a lot. Of th- I think, I think we have to go back to what's been an issue the entire time. And it really starts to me with the linebacker position, Um, because there have been issues with the run fits. There have been issues with tackling. There have been issues with, you know, being sucked in on play action, over pursuit. Those are constant themes that we've seen from the Ravens linebackers this year. Um, They seem to be very, almost uh, overly aggressive, I think is the the correct. They they, they tend, I don't know if it's because they don't trust what they're seeing well enough and they try to make up for it by like being aggressive or, or, if it's just bad coaching, it might be a combination of these things. But whatever the case, this inside linebacker group has been a significant pain point for the Ravens all year. Um, we we saw early on in this game the um, we we saw obviously Taylor um, matched up on Patrick Queen in like a one on one, and he just like he just attacked Patrick Queen in the passing game. Um, they 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 use play action to kind of attack the middle of the field on a, on a few different plays. Um, you know, the, the screen game is something that the Ravens have struggled to defend. You know, that, that screen to to Taylor that went for a touchdown, that was, I mean, it was a good call. Like, it, it was kind of an unlucky situation. You have the Ravens defenders essentially colliding with each other. Um, I, it's just, it's just, it's a complete, like, inability to, to play in space. And taking bad angles, it's just, man, it's, it, it doesn't look like the Ravens Defense. It, it looks like when you when you mentioned twenty nineteen, it looks like that bad Ravens defense in in the early parts of the twenty nineteen season when when the linebackers just were constantly out of position. They like didn't know like where they were supposed to be against a the run. They were over pursuing. It's just it's just the same thing that we saw, and this time around you don't have the excuse of being players that are like not high, at least not high draft picks. Like you have a first round pick and third round pick in their second year. They should be able to like be good at their jobs and they're just like struggling and and, you know it's it's other pieces too like the defensive line isn't playing amazingly well i mean clays campbell is playing amazingly well but i don't know there's just issues across the board and it's frustrating to watch
1: Yeah, I I definitely think, I mean, linebacker is a huge part of the problem and over pursuit is a huge part of the problem, which to me is a lack of trust of the the team and the system and the guys around them and what the expectation is of what they're going to do. So you talked a little bit about it on the screenplay. I mean, they pointed it out on the broadcast, but essentially Chuck Clark overruns his lane and ends up taking out the other defender in that instance. And Jonathan Taylor is able to cut behind Clark and take that away. Clark needs to be able to see that there's another guy to his right and that he just needs to squeeze the angle, essentially, and force him into the middle there, right? Like, and Chuck Clark is smart, smarter than that, and he cleaned that up, and the safeties, I think, cleaned up. A lot of the screens after that, especially the needed to be f- defended by guys in the secondary, got cleaned up. Brandon Stevens had
0: a great game, by the way. Yeah. He, he I, played
1: really well. I thought he played
0: ta- tackles. I yeah. mean, he, 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 he was all over, over the field.
1: Yeah, and and when they were the screens and how they were running that, they were they were. I mean, the Colts were going after Anthony and Brandon Stevens. That was that was their game plan, and it was clear from the get go. Um, but you know, the over pursuit from the linebackers is a problem. And I think the personnel work groupings is a problem. Malik Harrison is a fantastic run stopping linebacker. And I don't think he's anything more than that because he's way, way, way too big of a liability in pass coverage. And when he gets out of whack in pass coverage, and you have all these, like all the pieces kind of then get out of sync when he's in pass coverage in those moments. So it's like, Yeah, like he looked really bad when Travis Kelsey was like taking him to school. That's going to happen, right? Um, But I would would be okay with that when, if you could trade the zone plays of him being able to just kind of hold his zone and not let everything else break down around him. So the Ravens have got to figure out from a personnel perspective how to do that. And they've just got to get the linebackers inside on running plays to slow down. They're consistently overrunning these plays and they're consistently running by the tackles and letting everybody cut back. And I think that generally speaking, most of the league knows that they're going to do that. They're setting them up to over pursue and they're cutting back. And so I don't know if that's Josh Bynes. I don't know what that looks like or who that is. But if the over doesn't stop, then it's going to continue to look bad. But that's an easy I think that's a pretty easy thing to clean up. And that could be cleaned up by literally all the guys that are playing inside right now. And, and board is board is not exempt from over pursuing, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, Harrison has been kind of up and down this year. I th- I feel like he's had a few games where he's played really well in run defense. I feel like this game, it wasn't one of them. He got, I think there was one run by Marlon Mack. He was like, it's like a 15 yard run and, and Harrison like is in the hole and he just like takes a bad angle and Mack just makes a miss really easily. And, and like, it wasn't even a ton of space. It's just, it's just not good open field tackling. Um, and and Harrison, I think he can be better than that. I feel like he's generally pretty solid in the run game. Queen, you know, he'll, he'll make one or two flash plays, but in general, he's he's someone who's been struggling, I think, um, pretty consistently. Um, he's someone who doesn't, you know, get off blocks very well. Um, he misdiagnoses very frequently. Um, he doesn't read his keys well. He doesn't read the, you know, the, the way that the blockers are setting up you know, in terms of like pulling and things like, it's just, I, I, I think Bynes might be someone you can play a little bit more often um, on early downs. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what, what Queen's role is. you know, we, I feel like we've talked about this at nauseum with maybe some other places too. But one of the things we saw in this game was that Patrick Queen actually came off the field um, in, in some instances um, when the Ravens were, especially, I guess, when they were playing dime. You know, I think there was probably maybe 15 snaps or so where the inside linebackers weren't completely off the field. And what we saw was um, outside linebackers, uh, especially uh, Ty Spowser. He was actually lined up playing middle linebacker for the Ravens. Um, and, you know, this is something that... I'd, I'd mentioned to Ken McKusick uh, a couple of weeks ago after the, the Lions game, I thought, you know, how do you make up for having some really poor inside linebackers? You play more dime, you, you lean on your, your outside linebackers, which you have a pretty good, you know group athletic group you have Bowser who's a good coverage player you can play him off the ball we actually saw OA play a little bit off the ball in this game so it looks like they're they're actually doing what we thought they might do they're playing six defensive backs and and, and you know leaning on you know the, the wealth of outside linebackers you have and trying to make up for the deficiencies at the inside linebacker position and frankly I think that's your best bet unless they start really improving at the at that inside linebacker
1: yeah, well we've been we've been clamoring for Tyus Bowser to play inside linebacker for three years now. So this is this goes back, you know, you're definitely right. We've been talking about it. You you were talking about it with Ken and uh, film study ravens, but like, you know, this is something that, that we have wanted to see for a long time. I think it's a good fit, especially when you've got McPhee and Houston and OA playing as many snaps as they're capable of playing right now. Um, and that's okay to pull Bizer, Bowser away from that. You know, going back to, you know, What wasn't working there. I think there was only one other thing that really wasn't working. Obviously, the run game was a hot mess. Um, And if they could clean that up, then it would have been fine. Um, But, uh, you know, Anthony Averett was just wildly picked on. And so, you know, my big question on this is you know, was this a bad game from Anthony Averett? Absolutely. Did the Ravens do anything to, to do, did they do any favors for Anthony Averett once it seemed like he was in his own head in this game? Not at all. Um, but some of that was, some of that is scheme from the Colts, right? Like the Ravens, did don't want to commit to double teaming on or like or bracketing or giving extra help on a side where there weren't as many players and, and they weren't stopping the run. So that guy needed to be in the box, whatever, you know, all those things play a part in that. But they needed to let Anthony Averick, Anthony Averett play outside leverage on all the plays, give him help and a bracket to the inside and not make him and not make him commit. And they didn't do that. And then, Carson went back, went back inside on the one slant route to Averett, and he got schooled on the inside. And then, and then he was just done like in his, at that point, you cannot get out of your own head because they're asking Anthony Averett to be Marcus Peters or to be Marlon Humphrey. And he's not going to be that Um, when they continue to leave him on an Island and he continue he was getting beaten outside, up, down, every which way. Um, And they don't want to move Smith because they wanted him at safety. I mean, You've got to have a better backup plan for when your corner can't make stops like that. But we, we've we seen this story from the Ravens before. We saw it in the Patriots game when, you know, Chucky Brown couldn't stop, you know, Tom Brady in the playoffs a few years ago. And they just abused and went back and went back and went back to the same play in the same spot and the same guy over and over and over again. And so I don't know if this is like a Ravens coordinator, like don't want to get away from the game plan or what. But none of it was working.
0: Yeah, I, I think they could gone to smith a little bit more at outside corner in this one um and maybe they felt like he wasn't a good matchup he maybe he's he was a matchup against uh pitman but not the uh like the pascals of the world the kind of the shorter quicker faster wide receivers i don't think they really trust jimmy against that kind of uh, a player um and I, at this point of his career i don't really disagree with that um but you know th- maybe it's it's get Avery to be a little more physical, you know, get his hands on a guy and, and maybe have somebody rotating over to help. Uh, that, that's something they could have done. Trust Humphrey a little bit more and in, in one-on-one coverage. Um, trust even Tavon Young a little bit more on one-on-one coverage. I, you know, I, I thought Tavon Young had a really good game aside from that, that one, um, you know, penalty that was unfortunate. Um, but he had, you know, obviously, Saki had a couple of tackles for loss. He I think he played it really well. Um, so, I I do still think the Ravens are are solid in coverage. You know, I, I think Anthony Aber has been good this year. He had obviously he was picked on in this one there's no denying that. Um he might he might have gotten a little unlucky. You know, there was that one really bad PI call I think they called on him where like it wasn't even close to being catchable. So like, I don't know. I I feel like there's a there's a couple instances where he he kind of had some poor luck, but I I don't know, and and hopefully this isn't a sign to come as to what teams are going to be doing, um, because I I feel like he's been better than what he showed in this one, and maybe he just you know he was like was having an off night, but um, at cornerback there's nothing really else that they can do. I mean, like I said, Jimmy Smith maybe in some instances, but you're until um, Chris Westry comes back. And and we've really only seen him play for one game, and he played well in that one game. But I mean, who else do you have to play out there? Like, you, maybe you you just have to do some different coverage schemes, but maybe go a little more zone heavy. Um, I don't I don't know, but it's it's definitely something that you can't make too many adjustments away from because you're you're a little limited from the cornerback personnel perspective.
1: I, I mean, I, and I hate to like beat the dead horse and the horse may be not dead anymore because it's been long enough but that's why you can't let a guy like Nigel Warrior you know ultimately get away from the team for in the name of keeping Christian Welsh who is still not even despite all the terribleness that you have it inside linebackers still not taking those snaps you needed a guy that could take those outside corner snaps if you needed him to um, and obviously Brandon Stevens like Deshaun Elliott being healthy helps there as well but like maybe you move Brandon Stevens to the outside you move Jimmy Smith into that safety slot you let like uh, I don't. I don't know what you need to do there, but the Ravens just decided they were going to let Anthony Edwards take his lumps, and it wasn't just bad luck. I mean, and it wasn't just it was you know it was Paris Campbell, it was Zach Pascal, it was Mo Cox. It, you know, it wasn't just big guys. It was everybody. It was every route. It was every formation. I mean, they just got in his head, and and um, you know it was Michael Pittman over the top on that touchdown play, which was just a sick play. Yeah, that was a great play by Pittman, but um, you know it, it, it's just. I was disappointed in the adjustments that we got from from Wink. And I think that there was some stubbornness in this game from him overall um, in terms of like not really changing things up to force Carson Wentz to do something different. And whether that was just kind of like playing cover zero, getting uptight on the line of scrimmage and blitzing the crap out of him or something. But we, we just kind of held st- held Strong on the game plan that we stuck with, and 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 it never really, it honestly, it never really seemed to work. Thank God for Adafioa and the amazingness that he was, and you know. Why don't we jump into the good? I mean, we, we talked a lot about kind of what wasn't working and what was bad in this game. You know, they started slow on offense. The defense had a lot of problems. We couldn't run the ball. Um, all those things were terrible. But in light of all that, just like the Ravens' first half ended last, week, or last night, um, the second half happened. And there were some amazing players in this game. I think Tayvon Young was – you mentioned it, but I think that he deserves being – mentioned twice he was great in coverage he was great on the edge he was great stopping the run I mean he was he is your classic nickel guy if he can be physical like he was and it was really fantastic to see him kind of back and, and who he was again
0: yeah definitely agree with that I mean he's been someone who went on the field has been a playmaker for the Ravens I mean he's Back-to-back games now. He's gotten that that you know slot corner blitz where he's basically come unchecked and he's you know gotten easy pass on the quarterback. Um, I don't know how many times the teams are going to allow that to happen, but as as long as he's able to you know pull that off, it's, it's a really good look for the Ravens on defense. Um, he's been you know really strong in in those um, supports on some of the, like the the run plays. Um, to the outside. He's been good diagnosing some of the screenplays to the wide receivers. I think he's just been an all round very solid player for the Ravens. I think they're still keeping him a bit on a pitch count, um, which is reasonable considering, you know, his injury history. I don't think there's someone, he's someone they want to have out there, you know, 50, 60 plus snaps a game, at least at this point. Um, and maybe at some point injuries will make that happen. To, if Hopefully not, but um, he's, he's been, he's been very good for the Ravens. Um, I, I also I, I rolled out. my
1: eyes I rolled my eyes really hard when, when Gabe said oh, hopefully there are any other injuries there can't possibly be any more injuries I, to this team I and mean, I they, feel they like continue to rack up
0: the, the Ravens always get a hit at cornerback like every single year it's, it's like they, we went into this season saying they had you know this wealth of, of depth at at corner. And it's already feeling like, I mean, obviously two corners have gone down since then. So it's been, it's been stretched a little thin, but you know, they still have decent depth, I guess, but um, it's, it's, it can be, it can go away really fast is what we've learned. Um, just getting to another player, obviously you know, we mentioned Clay's Campbell. Um, he, he's just been fantastic for the Ravens this year. He's been one of their most consistent players off on against the pass, you know, we've, we've seen him consistently get pressures. Um, I don't know if he has a sack on the year, but he's, he's definitely one of the more consistent kind of guys. who's getting pressure up the middle. Um, we've seen him be a stud on some of these run places. He just blows up, gets in the backfield, gets a tackle for loss. Obviously the field goal block was maybe the play, I don't know if it's a play of the game. There's so many amazing plays Mm -hmm. in this game, but it was, it was definitely one of the plays of the game. Like one of the deciding plays that allowed the Ravens to come away with the win was Chloe's Campbell getting that that block. And it wasn't even close. he got through that line so fast and got his, you know, obviously being six, eight doesn't hurt, but wow, what what an amazing play in such a big moment for him to come up with that play. So, I mean, he's just, a stalwart for the Ravens so far. And what a big pickup they got from when they, when they got him from the Jaguars.
1: Yeah. He's, he's been incredible. And, and frankly, I think we all probably are a little bit disappointed in what we've gotten from Justin Matapique this year. I think he was more impactful in the second half of last year after he came back from the injury than we've seen from this year. So hopefully that turns around from him, but without Campbell, you know, who knows what they'd be getting from performance on the offensive line. And then, you know, I briefly mentioned him, but Adape Owe was just a stud in this game. And he's, he I mean, he, he has 18 pressures on the year, according <laughs> to the next-gen stats, um, which is insane for a rookie. Two forced fumbles in huge, massive moments so far this season. He's been, he, he's had big sacks in big moments. He's... At times, look completely unblockable when when teams are committing multiple guys to him. Um, you know, it, it's it's really nice to see the Ravens have a guy like him again on defense. It would be it'd be nice if they could clean up the inside linebacker play to go go with him. But um, I don't think that anybody would have expected him to get as good as he's been. And I think his sack of Carson Wentz was like under three seconds um, from snap to sack. Yeah, um, which is just. And it's just insane to
0: think about. <laughs> I mean, it was just right off the, the get off. He just, he just, the, the, the left tackle didn't have a shot. He just, you. I mean, Oh, was just around him before he could even react to it. And that that's the kind of athleticism that he brought. That's what we knew he had. What we didn't know was the get off. If you looked at his k- tape a lot in college, the get off was kind of questionable. He didn't seem to be able to kind of have that quick, immediate explosiveness out of the stance he seems to have learned that, and some and he, we saw that last week also against the Broncos on on the sack he had against Bridgewater. It was ex- almost the exact same thing where he just beat his guy with speed off the edge. He he's not the most flexible like edge defender you've ever seen. He's he's not exactly like Von Miller, you know, getting bend around the edge. But he was able to get low and get underneath you know the tackle's arms and just like immediately get to the quarterback. And that kind of like length and explosiveness and quickness that's incredibly rare. And as he gets stronger and as he works on, like, the, you know, the refinement of of the pass rushing technique, he's going to be one of the, I think, the dominant. You know, there have been a lot of um, comparisons to him. Somebody I haven't really seen him compared to, but now that I'm thinking about, I would say Alden Smith, like a young Alden Smith um, when he was playing for the Niners who just has length and crazy athleticism and speed. You know, that's the kind of player i think that that oa can be and i think he really has that upside to be a guy who can give you like those 12 15 sacks seasons um once he kind of puts together a a little bit more uh, of the completeness of of the game and and you mentioned like he's commanding double and triple teams at times already as a rookie you know i saw a, a stat um i think he's like in like the top five and commanding like double and triple teams in, in the nfl so far early on and that's just goes to show you the kind of impact that he's brought to this team um which is wild consider considering you know just the other players that the ravens also have um justin houston on the other side and you, you have guys like pernell mcphee campbell matabike like if you're, if you're committing that much attention to to one guy like eventually you know this this pass rush is going to start getting home more frequently
1: yeah, I hope so. I mean, they could definitely, you know, Campbell and O.A. have played really great on, the, on the, uh, the defensive on the defensive side of the front seven. I think that we haven't seen, I mean, we've seen flashes from everybody else. Bowser, Houston, you know, even Matabike have had good moments, but the consistency from them collectively as a unit hasn't been there. I'd like to see that tighten up. But, um, you know, those guys continue to play at this level. I mean, no is already on track or on pace right now for 10 sacks. So, you know, I think we're going to see that number go up and I think he's going to just continue to blow up this league. But I think there was one other guy that had a pretty good game uh, last night overall. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, Lamar Jackson. Um, he played pretty good. Um, he's that running back for the Ravens, right?
0: Yeah, that that running back, not 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 bad. I would say not bad for a running back, right? That would yeah. What you're um,
1: 80 percent completions over four hundred forty yards passing. I mean eighty six percent, eighty six percent. You know, holy cow! Like what? What a game from Lamar um, overall, and his throws on the ones he missed weren't off by that much. Like the. Like he barely just missed the one touchdown pass to to Brown in the end zone. He the throw to Watkins was actually off his hands. I I don't think I wouldn't call it a drop, but it was right there. And the throw to Andrews in the first quarter was just just outside his reach too. And so I mean Lamar is like absolutely locked in as a thrower right now. The deep ball he's throwing to Marquise Brown is absolutely awesome. But I think the thing that you know. The thing that has been the most impressive and the thing that the Ravens really need to lean into is being willing to kind of stretch the field in the way that they were once they were down by 16 and when they felt the need or down by 19 when they felt the need to really come back and really lean into it and let it go. And having like really running like serious levels type concepts where they were having one or two guys running real routes deep too. And I'm not just talking like – Historically, I think part of the problem has been the Ravens just like Duvernay like doesn't have like a second move. Like when he is running when he's running deep, he just runs a nine route, and that's really all that's all we've seen from him. We, we've sometimes seen Boykin like get into that where he runs that, like the deep post, um, and it's been really effective. But Hollywood has really worked in some nice moves where he gets behind those safeties, gets into their blind spots, and ducks out of them. If you go back and watch the touchdown in overtime. What that route was fantastic by Hollywood, because what he does is he gets behind Darius Leonard, gets into his blind spot, fakes like he's going to bite to the inside. Leonard leans in and then immediately separates the other side. And so even though the safety came across and like, made it look like it was a tougher catch for Brown, it was a very easy catch and throw because of a very fantastic route run by Brown. But the Ravens set all that up for their offense and how they want to execute it. And if they if they get into spread and they let Lamar be Lamar, because that's the thing. Like uh, we talked about this going into last week's game, I still think that the best blocker for the Ravens right now on their offensive line is still Lamar Jackson. His ability to escape and get away from guys and make them miss continues to be the thing that matters. And I think that a standard – if it was Carson Wentz instead of Lamar Jackson with the rest of this offense, or even like a Josh Allen, if you will, right, like that was behind this offensive line in this game, absolutely no way that they can come back. Lamar's pocket presence moving around in the pocket was absolutely phenomenal in regular empty sets that the Ravens were giving him, which – anybody that's seen our offensive line play might not recommend. Um, and so it's just, it's just incredible to see the growth that Lamar, I, I mean, it's hard to just call it growth because he's been the unanimous MVP, but it's incredible to see how much of a threat Lamar has become. He has more total yards this year than 18 NFL teams by himself. Like that's, yeah. that's, a, th- that's a thing. That, that oh, the wild most, stat. More than half of the league has less total yards than yep. Lamar Jackson.
0: Yeah. He, I mean, he's been phenomenal. I, I, I There's, just... I don't know if there's any like number of, of words you can say to really describe how how good he's been this year. Um, and it's not even like he's been perfect either. He's, he's left some plays on the field. So there's still room for improvement, which is kind of the wild thing. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, he's been playing at an exceptional level an MVP level for sure. Um, I think that there's some things that, the Ravens can still do to make things easier on him. Um, And you kind of alluded to it, um, but maybe we can talk about even a little bit more. Um, You mentioned using the spread more. I think that's completely a a great place to start. Um, You know, get him some different options at different, like you said, levels of the field, you know, have that, that, you know, easy five yard out, you know, have, have the crosser intermediate routes, you know, have the, the hitch or the, or the dig um, from the slot that seems to be open frequently or, or a slant out of the slot, skinny post, whatever it might be. Those, those routes seem to be always open. Um, and then you, you can have somebody going deep, like Marquise Brown has, he looks like the guy that the Ravens drafted, like the Oklahoma tape Marquise Brown, like the guy who has just incredible speed the pacing of his routes the way he can use just the way he can um accelerate and accelerate down in his routes and and make these kind of speed cuts that just looks like effortless in, in his route riding and the way he can make a guy basically break his ankles on a deep route um <laughs> to that he, where he on that touchdown, like he just like destroyed that cornerback, and and his route running is truly underrated. It's it's exceptional. And then, like you said, Lamar Jackson is just dialed in. Like he is completely on point. His accuracy is, you know, one of the best right now. And and the NFL, and he's been he's been you know criticized for the accuracy throughout his entire NFL career, and that criticism no longer has any holds any water it's it just you can't say that and be and say you watch football because he is throwing balls exactly where they need to be time and time again at all levels of the field in in between the numbers outside the numbers deep intermediate he's more consistent with those kind of short area passes where he's at pass even I've, I've been critical of him kind of missing the easy throws, like the underneath throws, where he's kind of lost his mechanics, that's not been an issue this year. He's been making those throws with regularity. Um, one thing I would also mention in this game was the involvement of the running backs in the passing game is something we really haven't seen. I would say throughout the entirety of Lamar Jackson's career, he started to pass to the running backs in checkdowns because I don't know if that's because you know teams are starting to take away his scrambles, but. He's making that adjustment and finding those guys. I mean, we saw Devonta Freeman pick up several like first downs in the passing game. Um, Tyson Williams got a couple passes. Lamar Murray, uh, sorry, um, Latavius Murray, a couple passes in, in this game, and he dropped one that he should have caught as well. Um, you know, those throws are going to be there, I would say, pretty much every single time that he drops back because teams cannot defend Jackson and his ability to scramble, defend the weapons they have downfield and the check down. You just can't do it. So as soon as he has complete feel for that and the guy that, if he can identify the guy guys open, I don't, honestly I don't understand how you can stop this offense. And what that means is you probably want to keep 11 personnel. Like that's the personnel. The Ravens are probably best at unless teams are going to like, be like, we're going to pound you and stop the run and, and, put it in the box and then maybe you can, you know, beat them with play action using some heavy sets, but like just throw out of 11, like you have the wide receivers to do it. You have actually a really good wide receiver core. You have one of the best tight ends in the league. And I think all three of these running backs can actually be decent in the and pass, passing game too.
1: Yeah. It makes me sad to think about what that would look like if that was Gus Edwards <laughs> and JK Dobbins, instead of like the, this group, you know, particularly, I get Latavius Murray like can churn and burn and is like not like has a little bit of Gus Edwards in him in that like he's gonna take an extra yard every time he goes down he's gonna fight and like like get back to the line of scrimmage in instances where you like might not think he's going to but like otherwise I could really live without Latavius Murray like I, I, he's fine like whatever he drops that pass like I don't know there's not a whole lot of explosiveness that you get from him. He's going to take what the system gives him and not a whole lot else. Um and if the Ravens are going to go towards a more passing inclined offense, I would prefer Bell and Tyson to be getting those snaps to be able to kind of execute on that stuff, but I think what you hit on and and what I think that the Ravens need to make a decision to do at this point are one getting depth on more of their routes and creating space and not running guys together into the same space. Don't run two or three curl routes and one guy deep and then a running back into the flat. That's why the running backs weren't involved in the passing game before because there's no space in that instance to throw to the running back, right? Like that, That opportunity isn't there. Now you've got two guys running deep, running two different types of route, one guy running an intermediate route, one guy running something that's like across the middle, and then you release the running back late in the opposite direction. How do you defend that, right? And the that's that is just good offensive designed plays that are gonna help you do that when you've got a guy like Lamar. That's gonna work. The other thing that made this this whole thing tick was that by the time they got into the fourth quarter, like Indianapolis started to get gassed. And they weren't they weren't gassed from the first half because and they weren't gassed in the third quarter because the Ravens couldn't keep them on the field. But Once the Ravens did and they went into no huddle, what they did is they kept those guys out on the field and they just wore them the heck out. And like they were constantly chasing Lamar around, Like you've got plays where Lamar is running around for four, five, six, seven plus seconds in the backfield. That is just going to wear out these defenders. They're going to run out of gas and then you keep them on the field because you go into a no huddle. There were a couple of different drives in the fourth quarter where the Ravens went six, seven plays out of no huddle where those defenders couldn't change personnel. That is 100% advantage Greg Roman. In that instance, you have tired out defenders that you know cannot change. You know who the weakness is. You know who you want to attack and how you want to attack it. Get those plays called into Lamar call them without being in the huddle. That's what you should be doing in these games offensively. I, I would be in, and I don't even need it to be no huddle. I think the Ravens should, and they used to do this with Flacco. They should sugar huddle more mm. where they just don't let these teams sub. And if they do sub then, or they try and sub in the middle of that, then you, you have a play that you're ready to get to the line of scrimmage and you snap the ball. Cause there was, there were a couple of plays where the Colts were trying to run guys off the field and they were barely getting them off the field because they were still trying to sub in those instances. Again, advantage Ravens. And so, If you can add that layer to your offense, and you, like, here's the crazy part, Greg Roman, and I love you because I thought you called a good game this game, honestly, but you can do that and you can run the ball. There's nothing in the book that says that out of no huddle, you can't go heavy, right? Like, put a Patrick Ricard, hopefully when Nick Boyle gets back, Mark Andrews, like miles boykin you know package out there on the field together go heavy and then keep heavy and run it down their throats over and over and over again and don't let them sub run it right at guys like Darius Leonard double block him, get in his face, call all that kind of junk and, and wear them down. The, the Ravens have a ton of opportunities to do that kind of stuff. And Lamar, I think, has, is more than capable of being able to use that extra time at the line of scrimmage to call checks and see what's going on and be ready for those plays. I think that the, the no huddle helps him because it gives him more time to diagnose pre-play and decide what he's going to do instead of getting a line of scrimmage with 13 seconds left and then trying to make sure that he understands what's going on and then make sure he gets the snap off in time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I, I've been basically screaming on Twitter that the Ravens should use tempo more often, and there, and like with the amount of pressure that that the Lamar Jackson can put on defenses, um, there's no reason why you can't just you know get the get to the line of scrimmage and keep putting the pressure on, just keep putting the pressure on. Um, and and you're right, it doesn't have to be necessarily 11 personnel. Like I think once Boyle comes back, 12 personnel can be really good for this team um, as well. It gives you the option to run out of it a little bit better than it does it out of out of eleven. But even with eleven, you can run the ball. Like you're getting a team gassed. You you run you know four quick plays where you're passing, and they're like just like you know chugging down the field. And then all of a sudden you, you hit them with a run play, and they're and you gash them for eight ten yards on a run play. Like that works as well. Like you just have to get that team get that defense exhausted and then once you do that and they're on their heels you can do anything you want and, and that's honestly what we saw in this game like once the ravens like got that ball rolling on offense the, the colts had no chance like they they just once when the ravens got the ball for overtime it was game over like there was no doubt in anybody's mind that the ravens were not going to march down that field and, and th- honestly the colts just didn't have a chance they they didn't have i mean they lost a couple of players like they were they were down in personnel they're also exhausted you know they, they were trying to like Keep up with Lamar, which is a fool's errand. Um, and the Ravens, um, with, between, you know, obviously, we talked a little bit about Marquise Brown and how he's evolved. He's one of the NFL's leading receivers this year, by the way. Um, he has over 450 yards passing. Mark Andrews has, a, has 400 yards passing, uh, uh, catch or receiving. Um, these two guys are both going to go over 1,000 yards this year, almost definitely. Um, we'll see Rashad Bateman sooner than later. And I think he's going to add another element to this passing game, which is going to be really maybe just even
1: harder to stop. Well, they did Um, this in the second half without Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins didn't play in the second half and they still torched them. And that tells you everything that you need to know, right? Like, and this is why the trope about the Ravens not having enough quality of wide receiver or every receiver, I always thought was a little overplayed. They won this game with essentially all the same guys that they had on the roster last year from a pass catching perspective, because Watkins played a couple in the first half, had a drop and that was it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that is true. Um, I would say that Pochet and DuVernay have been on the field a lot more this year and they've developed since where they were last year. They, they've become better route runners They've become more consistent catchers. Um, I think that in their second year, they're a different player than they were as, as rookies, but you, you know, you're not wrong when you, when you say that it, it was mostly, it was also going to the running backs. A lot of what they did in, in those last couple of drives were through the running backs. I mean, we even saw Josh Oliver get involved um, and pick up, you know, some yards. So, you know, Lamar was just hit, hitting whoever was open and, and that's what you want to see from, from your quarterback. Like, make the right decision, find the guy who's open, get that. It doesn't have to be like a 20-yard play every single time. If you can pick up seven, eight yards on first down, that's going to be just as good Um, in, in a lot of these instances. So it's, it was just a really impressive outing. Um, Also, you know, Mark Andrews, he looked like Travis Kelsey out there. Like some of the routes he was running, um, just the ability to get open around the goal line, you know, wow. Like he's really become a player that is, is a difficult cover and, and they were trying to double team him at times and it just was not working. He was a man on a mission. Um, what an impressive outing from him making that incredible two point conversion catch to, to tie the game. That was not an easy grab by any stretch. Um, he, he was pretty covered on that. Actually, it, the ball was a little behind him and he just made it look like it was no problem at all. So what, what a game from him. Just unbelievable.
1: I thought you were gonna say the catch that he the one-handed catch where he like oh, reached too. up, tapped it to himself, yeah. pulled it in, and then took a monster yeah. hit, knocked out knocked out the guy that hit it. Yeah. There were, there were a couple of instances in this game. It was a little peculiar where the Ravens guy got hit pretty hard, mm-hmm. and ultimately it was the Colts guy that ended up leaving the field because of those hits. But that catch- Yeah,
0: was, got hit like that too.
1: Yeah, that catch was incredible. Prochet played a, I mean, Prochet's usage is way up. It's really interesting that Watkins was out for the second half and where the usage was and Miles Boykin was active and didn't yep. take any snaps at wide receiver. Um, including after Watkins went down. I think I think yes, I do think that Prochet and Duvernay have developed from last year. I think some of that also just might be usage. Like Prochet did not get on the field for last year. Um, for whatever I, I mean like like I don't know. James Roche killed John Harbaugh's dog. Like I guess, like when he was, like first showed up at camp last year, he like ran him over with his car, and like that's why he's gonna get on the field. I think they finally like they've finally gotten over the hump from that, and he has proven to be everything that you expect. He makes tough catches in traffic consistently. I, like I, in that trips set where he's the third receiver, the Ravens have been really, really effective. Duvernay looked really effective in this game. I thought this was maybe his best game ever as a wide receiver, even though he's had some. Big catches in some other games. I thought this was a better, more well-rounded game than we've seen from him in some time um, in terms of usage. So I was really pleased to see that overall. I mean, and, and you're right. Like if they can fold Bateman or into the, to this in terms of what happens, it's it, it's going to be it's going to be really hard to defend this team if they continue to approach it like this. And so I just want them to try and score a lot of points early. Like score, like the defense is not good enough right now to play these close games where you're trying to run down the clock. Like you're giving too much clock up on the defensive side of the ball right now, like run up the score early and like let the defense pin their ears back and not have to worry about defending the run, which they're not great at doing.
0: Yeah. And, and you, you know, you're right. I mean, I think you were right about what you said earlier about the Ravens wide receivers. Um, basically the same guys they had last year. But then if you look at their usage, it wasn't the same guys they had last year. Because last year, the wide receivers they had on the field were Snead and Boykin. And this year, it was DuVernay and in, in roles where they were actually you know, given the opportunity to run routes, to be a viable option. And that is something that I think they didn't necessarily have last year. Because these guys can actually create separation in the routes. They have speed. It's not some, It's different than what we saw in the years past. So, I do think the Ravens have a much improved wide receiver core. I think, you know, Hollywood Brown has, has gotten to a new level in his route running and his in his speed on the field. Andrews has also taken his game to a new level. So I think all around, and as, as we said, Bateman, he's what is going to be that next addition to that. You know, he's someone who I think we all think is going to be someone who can contribute right out the gate. And he may not get, you know, 50, 60 snaps, um, but he's someone who's probably going to be worked into the lineup. And by the second half of the season, I think he's going to be a real difference
1: maker for them as well. So two questions for you before we try and wrap up here. One, Marquise Brown have a legitimate shot at being a first or second team all pro this year?
0: Who all pro is hard because there's so many good wide receivers. Um, but I th- I think he can he can have that level of a year. I, you know, I think he's going to be someone who's going to get around 1200 receiving yards, maybe 10 touchdowns. Like it's going to be a, a really good year even if he's not getting the accolades in terms of like the actual like awards but i think he will be in the conversation as you know one of the up-and-coming better wide receivers in the nfl
1: and then you know my question number two does lamar have a legitimate shot at at mvp at this point like did he put he himself has. back in the did put himself back in the conversation this week of
0: course he does he has more offensive yards than 18 nfl teams like, <laughs> like you said it yourself um you know He's a little behind the eight ball in terms of the the, the touchdowns. If you look at some of the, I was looking at some of those stats. The problem is there's a lot of quarterbacks on really good teams this year who are putting up incredible stats. I mean, between Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, obviously Josh Allen's having a great year. Justin Herbert, like Matthew Stafford, you can go down the line and be like, these guys are all having great seasons. What makes Lamar Jackson a little different is he's also got the, the, the legs, you know, he's putting up stats with, with his, with his feet and his playmaking as well. Um, so that might be the difference maker. Um, but you know, we, the, the MVP awards all about the narrative, um, and we'll see where that goes. Um, but it, you know, if he, if he's in the running midway through the season and the Ravens can put together, you know, a stretch of wins against some high quality teams, you know, he's absolutely going to be in that conversation.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I still got my hundred dollars on him at like plus like 1700 to win MVP. So uh, I'll I'll leave my comments as unbiased ones. I obviously I mean, obviously, Lamar Jackson has a chance, you know, and I think when we look at the top quarterbacks in terms of passing yards, like I don't think Derek Carr's in the conversation anymore or won't be moving forward. No, no, no. Matthew Stafford's not in the conversation. So, you know. If I not as MVP, I think he he can have a good year, but I don't I, I don't know. Maybe he does, but you know I do think that the usual suspects are kind of like the Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, and Mahomes and Allen and Lamar are kind of the six guys that are kind of chasing at that right now. And Patrick Mahomes is for whatever reason taking him out of that conversation completely. Obviously, that can turn around in a hurry. Um, but I think Lamar is... I, I mean, statistically, Lamar's having a better year right now than he was in his MVP season through the same point in the season. Um, and and that's that's a scary proposition. But, you know...
0: Well, Lamar's on pace for like 5,000 yards passing, which is yeah. ridiculous considering what he's done in the past. He's, he's barely cracked 3,000 yards two years ago when he won the MVP. Um, he had the incredible touchdown numbers that in the... Yards on the on the ground rushing as well, but he has a legitimate shot of going at least forty five hundred yards in a thousand yards. Like that's going to be wild. Like if he can do that, um, he, so. he
1: wouldn't get to he wouldn't get to he wouldn't be on pace for five thousand in a sixteen game season though. So like you know that adjustment you yeah. know is worth it is worth pointing out. But I, I totally agree with you, not to disagree with your point. But you know the big matchup then is Justin Herbert is coming to town next week. Oof, and it's a big one? Bal- yeah, the Baltimore has got a big game on their hands for next week. You know and. You know, do you think the Ravens have a shot against this Chargers team that look, has looked really good?
0: It, you know, they they have a shot, and it's going to be interesting because the, the Chargers' biggest weakness so far has been defending the run. Um, we, we saw the Ravens kind of gash the Chiefs on the ground a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't know if the Chargers are that bad in run defense, um, and I don't know what kind of game plan they're going to come up to try and stop that, and if that is something that's going to be a point of emphasis for them. Um, they do have a better you know secondary i think they can match up a little bit better you know derwin james has been incredible um this year they have you know the asante samuel jr the the rookie cornerback who's having a really good year they they have some players on defense so i think defensively they're going to be a tough matchup for the ravens Um, and obviously on offense they've been rolling so it's it's going to be tricky I think this is going to be a really hard game for the Ravens obviously they're also a West Coast team coming East Coast that's never early, easy for an early um, Sunday game so that might you know give the Ravens a slight advantage um, for, uh, it's hard to see, see them as a winner I mean I'm generally pretty optimistic mm-hmm. about the Ravens it's hard for them to, to pick the Ravens as, as, a, as a winner in this one but especially after the way their defense played um, this past week Um but you never know. I mean they they might have a few tricks up their sleeve. They might, you know, have this game start and say this is this is an important game in in the AFC overall landscape. And if they can come away with a winner in this game, then they're set up to really go for a nice run, I think.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I think isn't the um what's the line in this game? I think I I was surprised when I saw it.
0: I think the Ravens were like a point. Favor? Yeah, it's just I
1: think yeah, like I no, I think it's like three and a half. No way. Yeah, I think it opened at three and a half. Um, so I was surprised. I thought I, I was surprised to see that, but then again, you know, well, Oof. you say you, you're usually optimistic about the Ravens, but I think that you've been more pessimistic about the Ravens. Um, three and than a half, it, right? Then, then you have been, but you know, looking back, I mean, the Chargers weren't great the first couple weeks of the year. Played pretty mediocre teams in Dallas and Washington football team and weren't great. Kansas city, not as good as we expected. Las Vegas seems to be kind of like, like the clock struck midnight on that team after week two, apparently. Um, And, you know, Cleveland, the Cleveland game was weird. You know, that was, that's the thing. Like they had a great offensive blowout game, but I think that, that it shouldn't be, I don't think that that game should be looked at as the benchmark. I think that in a lot of ways, the Chargers are similar to the Ravens in that they've got Keenan Allen, they've got Mike Williams, they've got Austin Eckler, and that's about it. Where the Ravens kind of have Lamar Jackson, you know, as the running threat, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. Um, so it's very possible the way the defense played. Again, the this, this score gets totally dialed up and run right out, right out the roof. Um, but I also think the Chargers are more like a 25 to 30-point team on a regular week as opposed to like a 45 to 47-point team.
0: Yeah, I, I just the one thing I'm really concerned about is how the Ravens are going to defend Austin Eckler because he's such like a weapon out of the backfield and the Ravens are so bad at linebacker. I just don't know how you're going to defend that. Um, I mean, just I mean, Jared Cook, he's a solid tight end too. I think can really be a problem for the Ravens, especially attacking like those middle levels of the defense. So I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like unless the Ravens can really figure out ways to make Herbert uncomfortable, they're going to have trouble in this one. I think you, if that's kind of the situation is if you can kind of make Herbert uncomfortable, whether it's disguising, you know, blitz blitzes or, you know, disguising coverages, um, getting pressure on him, That that's how they win this game. Uh, if, if they can't do that, I, I don't see them coming away with a win.
1: The Chargers have also had some pretty crazy luck on fourth downs. I think they've converted three or four fourth downs of four, fourth and seven or longer so far this year. Um, which would say that they've had to do that in situations where games were close. And and that's, I think that's more luck. The Ravens have had plenty of luck this year. I I would, I would, I would uh, not say that they had hadn't, Um, but there's a lot of luck wrapped up in all those big fourth down conversions and the need to take them. I think at one point in the Chargers game last week uh, against Cleveland, they took, they, they went it on fourth down, like inside their own 30 at one point. So, um, you know, some of those bounces go the other way for this team and, and, you know, maybe the Ravens are able to come out, come away with a big win. I think it's, I think it's a lot more in favor of the Ravens than, than you're giving them credit for. But um, my, my purple colored glasses are a lot more purple than yours, even, even when you are optimistic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I just, I don't know. I just think it's a tough matchup for them, but it it is a big test. Um, And, and maybe, you know, they've had issues coming out, in these primetime games, maybe they're a little bit more prepared and have a better game plan out the gates. And if they can get up, then I think they might be in good shape.
1: I do think that there was, I think there was some looking ahead to Kansas city in the Raiders game. And I think there might've been some looking ahead to the chargers in this Indianapolis game this week, where some of the approach and the vanilla it seemed at times out of the defense was because they wanted to save some bullets for next week. Um, and I felt, I felt kind of similar in the, the Las Vegas game too.
0: Well, we'll see. I think it's going to be an exciting game. No, no matter what happens, um, it, it's like like we said. Like the Ravens have some some. I don't want to say easy games. Like we've seen the Ravens struggle this year against some teams I don't think they should have struggled against. But you know, Bengals, Vikings, Dolphins, Bears. After this one, that's a pretty light schedule compared to some of the games they've had already. So, um, if they can get out of this one with a win, then they are definitely poised to have you know a really good. Potential shot at maybe not the one seed, but you know, definitely a a, a pretty good you know seeding in, in the AFC. Yeah,
1: I I totally agree. The Bills are are going to be a menace because their schedule is just a lot easier. Um, and and knock on wood, my hope is that that the easiness of their schedule is the thing that holds Josh Allen back from being a serious MVP candidate, <laughs> as this all unrolls for for my bets' purpose. But um, <laughs> um, hopefully, we continue to see the Ravens play well. It would be just really nice for them to play an entire, like, entire two halves of football in a cohesive manner on both sides of the ball. On both sides of the ball. If we get any of that, then the Ravens are going to blow out, honestly, anybody that they play, if they can play consistently on both sides of the ball for the entirety of the game. So I think they just, you know, in some, in a lot of ways, they just need to kind of simplify what they're trying to do sometimes. Don't overpursue, don't do all this other junk. Um, you know, we'll find out this week. This is a big week with the Chargers and hopefully that sets them up to, to make a run at trying to, to get a shot at being nine and one. So we appreciate y'all joining us here. Um, thanks for listening in. and We'll see you next time in the Situation Room. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.